Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald. This week's guest is a longtime friend and musical stage sharer who is a uh, Continued with a very hardworking ethic, both in and out of industry, singer-songwriter, pub musician, and all-around good fella, Amanda Paul. So much to talk about, man. We, we've I've known you for, uh, or you've known me. Either way, we've we've known each other for a long ass time. Long time, like yeah. circus room days. Yeah, is that the metric? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, that's like what four, I was probably like. like 2004, I think, like, is the year. Yeah, so I'm 33. I was probably 17 or something when I met, 17 or 18 when we met, something like that. I think of you as, as younger, your singing voice and your, your lack of gray hair. Like, you're only <laughs> one year younger than me. I don't yeah. believe it. I don't really believe it. That's yeah, fine. It's, it, it's all in the skin tone, man. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> I light in flame when I get, enter the sunlight. <laughs> um, shit, there, there's a lot to talk about because I, I know from you know distant memory what we've both witnessed yeah times that we've both shared sometimes i just imagine what my friends uh who, who still do music uh think of what's going on certain things maybe that danny michelle was smart enough to do the math on and he's like yeah. he's like the fucking steve carell character in the big danny's, short yeah danny's article was was crazy man yeah yeah and if he's saying something like that being as talented as he is yeah it's it's it is fucked up yeah Let's take it back and start interviewing my guest, Amanda Paul. Uh, dropped his last name from his stage name, I believe. Long time ago, A yeah. long time ago. And fuck, um, yeah, I'm certain it was 2004 at the Circus Room that we met and yeah. played together. Yeah, with a hole in the stage. <laughs> when you step two, two, feet, two feet back, you would step into a hole on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Memories, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that, that's around when you put out... I don't remember many album titles since the when I first met people. Yeah, but writing at one a.m. is that the one? That was, oh yeah, that's old one. That's the one where I would. There's <laughs> there's a lot of people that probably hate me for that album because I would make it at home and I would burn the label onto a CD and then that would get that would melt into people's car stereos. <laughs> and I got that. People told me that a couple times. I felt so bad. I was like a high school kid, though, right? So I didn't like, yeah. know any better. I was making some money. That was a, that's a, I haven't heard about haven't heard that name in a long time. Running a one, yeah, that was a long time. That was with the the white CD cover. Yeah, yeah, that was around two thousand four. Wow, there, there's nothing like a raw, fucking handmade, personally crafted recording release with the packaging yeah. like that. A lot of people don't think of like how much fun we had making those. It was great. I had a blast. I was a kid, man. I had a blast doing that. That was fun. Yeah, all the, all the songs were like eight minutes long though. They were so long. Not radio friendly whatsoever. <laughs> it's just it's not about being radio friendly. It's about like just like attention span of people. Like mm-hmm. three and a half minutes is like all people can really like stand for a song. So you could be. I, I, I didn't know that back then. I don't know how long until you like getting started and trying to get established you were when I first met you. Mm-hmm. When did you feel like you'd established a name for yourself, and how much did getting validation from people matter? Um, back then it mattered because I wanted, that's all I wanted to do back then was do music. But like nowadays it's just that I do it as just like something I love doing. Yeah. It's not like for me, it's not like a, a career goal anymore. I just like doing it. Yeah. Back then it was totally different. I was like what, nine, 18, 19 and all I wanted to do was record albums and make music and, but I didn't, 
I yeah, the validation from people just saying a good job that still matters. Yeah, because like you're putting on a show for people, but like it's not everything anymore to me. It used to be right. Yeah, and it's weird to find that balance between accepting it and and being glad to receive it. Yeah, although not letting it make any choices for you. It's weird. Yeah, like because now I'm playing like cover gigs and like I'm playing at bars where people aren't really listening, but right. I'm getting paid to play music, playing covers that I like playing. Yeah. And once I'm, if someone says it's a good job, that's fine to me. But yeah. if no one does, it's fine as well because I'm still doing what I love doing. So, Absolutely. Because that's around the same time that I got started. Yeah, and I remember your albums, man. They were good. And so the story of Manipal is basically the story of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. What, what was your methodology to analyzing you know, am I doing as good a job or should I be taking all kinds of notes, getting harsh feedback from people if I can and, and being like, how, how good can I make my stage presence, my live singing performance yeah. and the, is my songwriting likable by other people's standards yeah. and how hard on yourself were you? I'm still hard on myself for that stuff. Like I, back then I would get validation. I would get like advice from people like Peter Katz and the guys that were already doing it for a while that way I could, that I looked up to just like, how do you do this? What do you do for this? How how does your voice last? Like guys like Tim Hicks, who's now like the biggest country act in Canada. He was my first mentor at sixteen. Right. He was playing. He was he was hosting open mics in Waterloo at that at that time. And he used to give me he, the half the songs I know are because like the first songs I ever learned because of him. And he'd yeah. give me advice on like, um, like how my voice last, that kind of stuff. It's still important now. Like I still have issues with that. Like my voice is hoarse right now. I played two shows in Sarnia this weekend, and my voice is dead. So I'm still, if anybody has advice on that, tell email Todd and, and let me know as well. But sure. uh, yeah, just guys like Peter and guys like Tim and even people like you and other people that we would just play with, I would just seek advice from everybody because like, right. everybody had their own certain way of doing things. Like for me, I just like got up and played and had a dead voice the next day. Right. And like, I still do that. But in the in the heat of the moment, you're like, I'm giving it my all, exactly, so I feel, and everyone's enjoying it. But then you, but then you go like, oh, there's a way to do this so that yeah. it doesn't hurt. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's like finding the right. Like, it was like taking the key down a semitone, um, or like learning songs in a whole different key. You know right. what I mean? Just like so your voice holds out. I do. I play a lot of like female fronted songs. Yeah. So I change the key for those. Obviously, sometimes I can sing in the right key, but I tend yeah. not to anymore. And what you're still giving the crowd is someone giving their all, but you're not costing yourself. Exactly. Anything. Yeah, it's smart. Yeah. Some of these things might sound elementary for you to say. You're, I know this and I've practiced it. Yeah. But for some people, might be listening at the beginning of their songwriting Yeah, like, like change the key. Like if you love a song and you really want to cover it, but it's too high for you, just put a capo and like find a different way to play it or turn your guitar, tune your guitar a half step down and just play right. it that way. Like you can play any song you want to play, just like figure it out by like changing the key or something like that. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> back to me. Uh, <laughs> tell, tell me about you, Todd. What I'm gathering is that you, you sought, you sought mentorship from yes. the, ver- from the very beginning from my where, peers. Whereas I sought accolades and hero worship. Is that bad? No, because no, it is. <laughs> it's not like, I remember how big of a fan you were of Peter. I remember that vividly. Like you got me hooked on Peter Katz. Like my fan, my fan love for Peter Katz was because of your fan love for Peter Katz. Right. So, like, are you sure it wasn't seeing him play? 
Well, it was that too. But then, like, I remember you booked him for a show with me and you at the circus room. Like, you booked I'll post that cats. photo because yeah. it's an it's a really vintage. Yeah, like kind you of photo. you booked that show. You got me to you had me open. Then you played, and then Peter headlined. And I was at the circus room. I remember that. And like you had played me some songs. I was like, oh, this guy's cool. And then I heard yeah. then I saw him playing. Like, oh, this guy's amazing. And I've loved him ever since. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. I watched a video recently where he. <laughs> If Peter Katz were to do a TED Talk, and he's been doing a lot of this stuff yeah. in the past year, it's it's way more important, in my opinion, than being on my podcast. I know his people don't really... This Todd Donald got a small time. Don't be on his podcast. I mean, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll make time. What he is doing, though, is very important. Yeah. And it's amazing and inspiring as fuck. And a fellow that I grew up watching on TSN, I can't remember his name, Michael something, he's, he's like a very well-known Canadian broadcaster. Yeah. And at the end of the video, this highlight reel of Peter doing a talk for like startup people and, and people in broadcasting, he goes, I was devastated by how powerful Peter's speech was because uh, I had to go on after him and <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I mean, what is the story of Mandipal if not the story of Peter Katz and Todd Donald? Yeah, like Let's it started some- back then. <laughs> Honestly, my first couple shows, I remember, like, my first original gigs, I remember playing at the Circus Room with Peter Cass and you. And me and you played at the Circus Room many times. Yeah. Many times. And then we then we moved on to the boathouse. Yeah. The, the old boathouse. And Those are the MySpace days, man. The MySpace days. Oh, yeah. Loved it. <laughs> Eight top friends. Uh, Speaking of which, the Palette Cafe was yeah. a place that you booked people at and Loved that it. I wouldn't have known about. That's how I met um, Tim Tibbetts and Sue yeah. Passmore and Rochelle Harrison. Yeah. Sue is now like in the good lovelies and she's doing really well. Like it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Pilot cafe, man. That was my first attempt at booking shows and it was just like a door cover, pay what you can kind of thing. We booked like some of the great, great acts like Justin Azuka, Who's like now again, like I, I had to give people what I call the Amanda Paul bump. You play with me, you get famous in a couple of years. <laughs> I booked Justin there. I booked Peter there. We played there a few times. Robin Delinto, uh, Sam Ellis, like, yeah. It's a bunch of people that are now like either like sought after writers or sought after singer songwriters in the industry now. It was an amazing little spot that like people really didn't know about. It was just the, it was in Galt at the Architecture University right. in the middle of nowhere. It was perfect. It was so cool. And and you say attempt, whereas looking back on my salad days, anyway, it's, yeah, it's iconic for being that zone where the audience is just hypnotized. Yeah. And if they're not completely hypnotized by what they're watching and hearing, the singer-songwriter is taking you somewhere else. It was great because we didn't have, like, smartphones back then. Yeah. So we were just, like, everybody was just, like, glued to the performance. We did a we did a songwriter circle, so it was, like, a bunch of us on stage together at the same time, and, like, people would just be watching and, like, liking the stories that people were talking about. It was yeah. great, man. It's good, good memories. And Thanks for bringing that up. That was, like, that's a, that's a really good memory for me. Dude, I love you. Love you too, man. <laughs> and it's important. It's it's important that places and spaces like that exist. You know, uh, the relationship between the audience and art is and performance is a little. It's a little less. Uh, you know, they haven't gone out in a while. And yeah, like they're 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 married, but they don't date anymore. Yeah, we're like missing that kind of vibe in the city now. Like we have like. We have these bigger venues that were just amazing, but we're missing like that small venue artist, pay what you can yeah. kind of vibe in the city. But it'll come back when it comes, everything comes back at some point. So I don't mean to like lament shit while you're here. <laughs> um, I remember us talking in 2006. I okay. think it was like um, the place above. 
It was called The Wax. Maybe it still is called oh, The Wax. Oh, uh, in, in... We're opening up for, like, Close to Home. Uh, in Kitchener? Our friend John Maxim yeah, and Michael... Put Johnny Maxim and Michael Changor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reaching Vista, if you guys still listen to them. Yeah. Well, they... Oh, they were on a different version of this podcast yeah. this year. And yeah, love those guys. Good guys. Um, they had both of us to be the acoustic opening yeah. acts for the Close to Home uh, oh, I remember that launch, band. tour launch with like a French band that yeah. they were friends with. Yeah. This is 2006. I'm good with dates. I am not. So I love these memories. I love this. <laughs> I was giving you a hard time because I'd gathered that your influences like Jason Mraz and yeah. other people were, were only contemporary. And I was, you know, obsessed with and only like some fucking asshole just clinging to like classic rock is where it's at and i was giving you shit because like dude th- there's got to be something that, that you like that's older and maybe you might have said like i don't listen to it because it's old or something like that <laughs> and we've both gotten a lot older so yeah. tell me if that's changed have you have you found the influence of bill withers or anything yet nah man i still love that stuff now but like back then i just liked what i listened to uh now it's like i play a lot of top 40 covers now because i yeah. love i know it's pop music but i love the songwriting sometimes is so yeah. good for some writers. Um, but all this stuff like Jason Mraz is still up there for me. John Mayer is still there for me. Jeff Buckley has now become influenced over the last few years. I love him. Um, and they're all great. They're all great. Yeah. Ne- but like Bill Withers, stuff like that, it's not me. Like yeah. I love the music, but it would never influence me to write a certain way because like I can't write though that kind of music and like I don't yeah. want to. I like writing pop. And doing that yeah. kind of stuff, so it's not really my thing. But like, I do cover stuff like, um, like U two and old stuff like Beatles, and right. I do all that. But like, it's not my thing anymore. I ho- I just hope that doesn't sound bad. I love I I like all music. All well, music is good. It took me a while to get around to to liking and embracing new music too. Yeah. So I think I think you and I both met in the middle. Which yeah, is, which like is great. I was always listened to like new music. Like my sisters, they grew. I grew up on like Boys to Men and John Cicada, things like that. But yeah. like. I never really like identify with it until I heard like, and then I heard Incubus, and then I heard Jason Raz, then I heard yeah. John Mayer, and like those 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 stuff just spoke to me like right away. And why why have a beef with like someone having a different spin on? Do we have being a beef, influenced? Todd? Do we have a beef? <laughs> it wasn't a beef. It was just me being a shithead. Yeah. Well, we were, all, dude, we were young. We were all shitheads back then, man. Yeah, I remember me and you didn't didn't like connect for like a couple years, but that was because we just lost touch. Do, do, do you want me to break down and... and sure. Okay. The truth comes out now, guys. I'm learning things too. <laughs> Two or three years ago, I had to forgive myself so that I could look back more fondly on okay. my time in the scene in, in the 2000s for, for, for not trying as hard as I thought I was, for not enjoying a lot of things as much as I could have or should have by doing this thing that the kids are calling hating the player and not the game <laughs> which a lot of people still do yeah a lot of a lot of people do without realizing it and some people never grow out grow out of yeah i leagued myself with people like yourself and peter katz and and our other friends matt lees and yeah so many other people that i had just this amazing privilege to be around and if i slated myself somewhere and then other people i looked up to somewhere else even though we're all human beings, I would be on a level of performance and mm-hmm. songwriting that, you know, you think how long you've been doing it and how hard you try. Oh, yeah. Have anything to do with your potential and the journey of trying to reach it. So if I received like hero worship or accolades and people saying nice things, yeah. I lived off that. Yeah. And I didn't try to develop in any of the ways I should have. I, didn't, I get it. I get it, man. I didn't think of the listener when I wrote songs. Yeah. 
I just thought that people responding nicely, not feeling like they had to walk on eggshells to say, maybe Todd, you got potential, but maybe you should try yeah. to, to improve. And you were working your ass off at getting better, at getting better as a performer. Yeah. I didn't make these connections, man, Paul. Well, yeah. And I looked at you and others who kept getting better and having more things happen yeah. as a sign that I was worthless. Dude, I... And I got jealous. I've been, I've been there many times. I see guys that I know from back then are not like touring the world and I felt the exact same way. So you're not the only one, man. Like, that's why I haven't written, I haven't put out an album since 2012. Right. Because I don't want to, I don't, I'm not writing, I'm not writing that much anymore. Like, I'm playing cover songs. Because, like, I do feel the way sometimes my songs aren't going to, like, plateau me to that level. I'm in my 30s now. Right. So I definitely, do you're not the only one that feels that way, man. Don't, like, be hard on yourself about that. We all, I, I was there, like, three years ago I was there. Did you feel like it was a cloud that you couldn't get rid of? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I still feel it sometimes, but then I get I feel but it goes away and becomes a sense of pride for me seeing people from our scene doing yeah. so well. It turn it goes from like jealousy to to like just being proud in the span mm-hmm. of like a couple seconds. You're like, "Oh, that should be me." But wait, no, I didn't work this. I didn't work that hard. I didn't hold my craft that well, and that's why they're doing it. So I'm proud of them. Like it's Right. You just got to it's you're not the only one, man. Don't worry about that stuff. And I haven't been that way in over a decade but i think the the pain a few years ago was because soon as that decade ended i distanced myself from it i only made music for fun and i found the joy of writing songs again and finally started working on all the stuff that i could have when i had less responsibility in life i fucking i i broke down and cried i listened to peter katz's albums for the first time in years yeah when i thought it wouldn't bring up those feelings of of jealousy of people who, who um, Peter's people kept in the same league as him. Yeah. And comparing myself as being worthless next to them, being like, I guess I'll never perform with him again. I broke down even harder than I thought I was going to because all of those gigs that you and I played mm-hmm. and that I played with everyone, I could have enjoyed it 10 times more just being glad to be there. But you got to remember, like, you, yeah, we're, we were in our 20s back then, but we were still kids, dude. Like, think yeah. about it that way. Like, you were young. Just, like, it's part of growing up, man. Like, you, you, you grew up in, the, we grew up together in the music scene, and we, people grow up different ways. Yeah. Like, so don't be hard on yourself. Like, that's something you shouldn't be thinking about anymore. Like, you're, it's a whole different. No, it's, I don't think of it on a day-to-day basis. Five years between then and between now is when I had that revelation and I even played a few shows yeah. uh, supporting some some bands that were coming through at the Boathouse. And I'm like, this is exactly how it should have felt for 10 years. And I'm just taking it in. I'm, I'm just glad to be here. Yeah. I'm glad to be having this moment with an audience. And now that I've actually worked on becoming a good performer, yeah. later that summer, I uh, cornered you at Best Buy to give you a half-assed <laughs> you did <laughs> thing at the music department you're uh. like well I, I guess I have some some shit to, to do in the back uh, I'm sorry we can't talk longer so I only gave you like a really half-assed <laughs> apology yeah, for I remember that with you here now that I get to like elaborate on that yeah that's why I'm thinking about it now I've been at a lot better peace in my 30s yeah you, and you, don't you look think good about it. yeah you look good you sound happy like I remember you used to cover Apples by Peter Katz that was <laughs> my favorite cover you used to play I remember that I just came to my head just now I remember you played it like note for note perfectly like almost as good as Peter I remember that so I had to say, had to say that I just came to my head just now that was awesome cover thank you for letting me get that out of because course, man 
I could have gotten honest feedback and I think maybe my sensitivity at the time too. Any singer-songwriter who's listening to this, who stands to benefit at all from can, like looking at themselves yeah. and being self-effacing about the effort that they put into it, especially when it comes to the grand mistake of comparing yourself to other people. Yeah. Uh, it's very important that you don't. Yeah. Don't do it because it's gonna, you're only going to... You're only gonna hurt yourself in the long run doing that. Like, yeah. yeah, take influences from other places, but like, never try try not to do it. You're gonna do it at some point. You're gonna compare yourself to other people, but try not to. Like, I don't know. I I wish I could give more better advice than that, but like, it's tough. I understand it completely. Like, as a young songwriter, I compare myself to everybody. Yeah, like it's tough, but yeah. At least I wasn't yeah. so much of an asshole that, that we couldn't be friends still to this day yeah. talking about stuff. And this is an important well. conversation to have. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I remember like me and you have these kind of conversations all the time. It's, it's nice, it's nice. Good old circus room. Good old circus room with a hole in the stage. And yeah. they got, remember they got mad at me one time? Because I didn't... Because you were brown? No, I didn't... Yeah, that... I didn't bring a mixing board for the speakers they had because no one told me that we had to use their speakers. Or it, was, it was just weird. They had, had some really weird rules back then. Then, like, it's such a... It was a weird place, man. But yeah. made a lot of friends there. It was a weird place. That's all I'm saying. It was a weird, <laughs> weird place. How would you describe the coolest place you've ever played? Maxwell's, by far, man. That was, like, that... The old Maxwell's, that room okay. was, yeah. like, the best... It was the best room of of... Of pe- like I got to open for some amazing people. I built. A- I met my wife there. I proposed to my wife there. I made a lot of friends there. Like it's a lot of memories. Every every Tuesday I would go there. Like without I missed maybe like two open mics in the span of its yeah. inception. But that was by far my favorite spot I've ever played was Old Maxwell's. By far, like I can like even 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 if I played Massey Hall or something like that, I would still say Maxwell's is my favorite spot right. because just the memories I have there. I can pinpoint like the best moments of my life spent at Maxwell's that have like brought me to where I am now. It's crazy. Right. Defining? Defi- defining moments. Yeah. Defining moments of my life were at Maxwell's by far. I can't find had my first Had my first beer there. I was there. At 24, my birthday. Yeah, it was weird. My first okay, that's why I'm thinking you're younger because I thought like your ni- that was your 19th birthday. No, that was in my, my 24th birthday, man. <laughs> 24th birthday, my first beer. Right. And it was disgusting, but now I love beer. Right. It's my, it's my fuel. <laughs> my, <laughs> my rocket fuel that's awesome dude I'm gonna show the picture from 2005 and it's a picture of you me Matt Lees Lisa Hoffman Matt and Lees. Peter Katz Lisa oh man yeah yeah it's crazy how iconic that night is that's crazy Matt I went to high school with him it's a good guy he just beat cancer that's right he, he has a podcast that he's been doing for a lot longer and I remember I think a year or so ago, he was he was talking about it on the podcast. Yeah. And that's how I found out. Yeah, he, me too. He, he wasn't like going around like being like, hey, man, Paul, guess what? He was... He, he announced it. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy, man. I remember he, I known him... He was friends with my sister first back in when she was at Cameron Heights. Um, and then he just, he was there when I was there for my last, for his last year. He was a great guy. I looked up that guy quite a bit back yeah. then. Yeah. Hey, Matt. Cheers Congrats. to you in Wales. You and Rachel. <laughs> that's right. Man. As you said, maybe um, more more recently, the songwriting part of your activity yeah. isn't necessarily the priority that it used to be, isn't yeah. necessarily what it used to be. Um, but 
I I can't imagine like the songwriter was dead. I haven't written a song in two years probably. It's been about two years. I've even sat down and tried to write. Like me and Robin Delinter wrote a song two years ago before she moved to Nashville, and I love it. But yeah. like that's the last time I wrote anything with anyone. Right. I'm happy now, man. Like you, people can't write songs when they're happy. Come on. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I have a wife. I have a ha- I have a wife. I have a good life. Like it's funny. Like if if she ever leaves me, the songs will come. Please don't leave me. But the songs will come. <laughs> How long have you been married now? Uh, three years, man. Three years last three years in this past August. It's amazing. It's crazy. Congrats. Thanks, man. It's weird. It <laughs> flies by. I feel like it was like last I remember everything from the wedding days. It feels like it was like last week. It's crazy. Because yeah. we, we met at Maxwell's. And life moves a lot faster life as we really age. Fast, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Nuts. How how did you approach arri- arriving at thirty? Uh I had a drunken debauchery of a weekend. 29 to 30 that was how I did it well that's but like, awesome but realizing I'm 30 that was weird because like I don't look like I'm 30 I don't act like I'm 30 I don't feel like I'm 30 but like three years three years in I feel like I'm 40 like <laughs> it's crazy like my back hurts all the time my shoulders are always aching I make sounds when I bend over to pick something up I'm like yeah Ugh. yeah it's in your, crazy. In your 20s, it's a good idea to take care of yourself. Yeah. In your 30s. You have to. You fucking have to. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but hitting 30 was a... Was, hitting 30 was sad at one point because, like, I didn't hit any of the milestones I wanted. I wasn't... I didn't, I didn't yeah, have, like, a manager. I didn't have a record deal, nothing like that. By right. 30, I wanted to be, like, signed and... also right. when, Sealed and delivered. Yeah, one time I hit 30, that's when I started thinking, okay, maybe songwriting isn't in it for me anymore. Like, I could try to mentor someone or Turning like 30 was a, a part of that. Yeah. Cause like really? in, in your thirties, you can't really like, I know there are like the rare occurrences in your thirties where you can get signed and like be massive, but like, it's really like Tim oh, Hicks, right, like, t- right. like Tim Hicks is, is, is one of them. Like I, that guy, but that guy's worked his butt off to get where he is. Like, you know more about the industry though, or, but are the age walls something that you put up or that you're looking age at? Age walls something that I put up, but that I've seen as well. Like it's, Things I've told me, people that are industry insiders tell you they'll tell you like oh and when you hit thirty like not much is gonna happen right. but if you're if like if I was a successful songwriter for other people that's a whole different story you can be like right. in your forties then and write songs for, like look at um, what's his name Max Most, Martin like yeah. he's like probably in his forties biggest record producer in the world and writes some right. of the biggest songs ever and he's in his forties writing for pop artists like someone like that can do it but when you're a kid in Kitchener at thirty years old. And people know your name here and there. You get played on CBC sometimes, but like nothing yeah. really happens. So at 30, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, that's why I, I, I had met Aaliyah. I'm like my wife. I had met her back then. And Beautiful like, name. Yeah. We got, we got married five days before my 30th birthday. Wow. And that was a rev, like, so I'm getting married now. I got to get a good job. I got to, I got to build a life with this girl. And like, sorry, it wasn't that for me anymore like right. there was no there was it's still a big part of my life honestly like it's still there like i still play my original songs yeah but like when i hit when i got married when i hit 30 it was like okay this is not the path i need to be going on anymore right but you can't you can't yeah. tell me your creative bone died oh yeah i dude, I, have, I have not written a song. i i like my creative bone is still there because i'll like learn can, cover songs i'll learn cover songs and right. i'll make i'll make them my own like i'll flip so I'll, I'll flip it and make it my own i'll do mashups that kind of thing but like, I honestly have not written a song in a long time. I am gonna be like recording some songs soon with uh, with Mike from Beach and Vista. We're gonna like go in the studio and like record a couple tunes together for like some old stuff I had that I haven't released before. Right. So maybe that'll help. But I don't like literally write down or record anything. But like, I still constantly have ideas come to me, and I I, I have this thing where 
I'll be at work yeah. and I'll have this great idea come to me and then I'll hope that I remember it long enough to play it on the guitar. That's the issue. I, I do that sometimes, but I never remember to either Make put it, it on audible. my phone yeah, anything like that. Like I'll have like riffs that are like here and there, but then I'll hear it in someone else's song. I'm like, shit, I must have heard that somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, no. I, like, I listen to so much Top 40 right. that it's just instilled in my brain. And like, oh, this is, sounds like a melody I can write. I'm like, oh no, this is someone else's song. You know so what? That, so this. that's your shoot, Dan. You know yeah. what mine is? When I finally am able to make it audible yeah. from the idea, I realize it sounds like crap. So, so we both... Fucking 30s. I know, man. 30s. 40s around the corner, man. Right. 40 is around the corner. It's scary. Yeah. Do you feel like being in your 30s uh, has changed like your maturity or is that just a construct? I wish it did. Like I'm 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 more mature but like I'm still like a child sometimes. Like I'm a child at home. I bug my wife a lot. God bless her. But it's like it's it's I feel I am more mature but like I don't want to lose that immature side of me. Right. But like you know what I mean? Yeah. I had, you know, some kind of like um I guess I'd consider bland questions about songwriting, but it's not present in your life, I guess. You can ask me questions about it. Like, go ahead. You're telling me that um, if you were ever to receive a profound sound, sadness in your journey, that that would ignite songwriting. Again, 100%. But given that you care enough about the audience, whereas I only, in my 30s or later on in life, made that, made that relationship, I still want to write for me. But I am conscious of making a listener that might not be me yeah. think it's think it's a solid song, and I and I examine top forty and, yeah. and pop and stuff, and more successful rock artists and alter, alternative and all. Um, how much of the songwriting process is is that righteously selfish artist part saying I have something I want to express, I have something I want to vindicate myself. It's from. like 50 50. 50 50. Like all half of me were like, okay, what do I want to say, and half other half's like, what what are people going to relate to? Yeah, that's it's always that's been like that for a few. The last time, I, last time I wrote songs was was that. Yeah. Like what what can I say in this song? Maybe people like feel a certain way, yeah. but it will it at the same time make me feel the same way. Like right. I want to be able to, I want them to be able to relate to what I'm saying. Right. So it's fifty fifty. Not selfish is a bad word to use, but like say people like Elvis Costello who yeah. couldn't get uh, an eighteen year old to listen to his music if my life depended on it. Yeah. Uh, he writes lyrics from this. How how interesting and metaphorical can I make every line? Well, he has his own. He knows his audience, so he knows his audience. He's not writing for eighteen. He's writing for no, exactly the, like the forty and fifty and up. So he knows who he's writing for. You have to know who you write. Like if, for me, I'm right. If I'm writing songs, I'm writing for the younger, like twenty to thirty. That's what I'm writing for. I couldn't write for fifteen and up. I couldn't do that. That be right. like it's just too formulaic for me to do. Right. But like. You should know your audience. Yeah. That's the first thing you have to think of is who's your audience and how are they going to connect to this song? Do you think Allison, if it came out and was done by stylistically by a current artist, that that song uh, wouldn't... It's it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Like any song, any old song can like... be Like Suspicious Minds by Elvis Presley. Like I've seen that covered so many times by females, by males. And like it connects when, the, when it's covered. Yeah. But like who's to say it could be any any song. Like I was watching, so I watched me and my wife watch X Factor UK. We watch it religiously every, every weekend, right? Yeah. When it's on, there's two little girls. Uh, they're like 14 to 15. They got to the finals, and it was it was ABBA week, and they had to cover an ABBA song at 14 to 15 years old. 
And they have no idea. They probably never heard these songs before. Yeah. They covered Money. They covered Money, 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 that song. Yeah, yeah. And they crushed it by putting rap. It was crazy. It was the best version of the song I could think I'll ever hear. And like, it, so it can happen with anybody. Like, those girls made us made that song. They, it could be their first single. That's how good it was. Yeah. It was awesome. Like, I encourage anybody to YouTube uh, Money, Money, Money from X Factor UK last week. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, it's so it can't, like, like if, yeah. I don't know. With what Dana Michelle said, what what do you think will happen? Are you optimistic um, that things will turn around in some I way? I don't know. It's tough. Like I get where they're full time musicians, so his bread and butter is writing music and playing shows. That's his bread and butter. Mine is I work full time, and I play cover gigs. Yeah. Like I don't write music anymore because there's no money in it for me. Like I'm not gonna release album tomorrow. People like a million people are gonna download it. I know that. I know that as a fact. Like maybe a hundred people would like it and like share it with their friends, but I'll probably only make like three cents on it. Yeah. So it's not to me it doesn't like it's not it's not a money situation for me. Like if people would love download my stuff, I love it. Yeah. But I'm not looking at it as a living. Right. Which is the first time I've said that in a long time. Like it's not my living. Like I don't live off that. But I get guys like Danny because he has that's his like there's a guy named Jory Nash says to the same thing. Um I don't know. It's like a lot of. It's kind of it's tough to talk about. Like I don't want to say the wrong thing here because I no. don't want to sound like a dick. Because it's not my full time thing; it's their full time thing. But like I am, like when I turn thirty, I'm like I'm gonna stop doing this, and I'm gonna get a job. Yeah. I'm gonna get married, and I'm gonna play covers and still play music. I'm not. It's not, might, not, might not be my own stuff, but I'm still playing music and people are enjoying it. Yeah. And I'm getting paid to do it. Like. See, I I, I like to um. I don't see things in terms of sides. I, I think it's terrible that, um, you know, uh, not as many people want to or can support um, artists. But well, it's not about supporting. Like, they're still downloading his stuff. It's just there's no money in streaming at no, all. It's crazy. But in the. I don't the, get it. The, that, I don't, that part I don't get. In human history, the history of recorded music is so goddamn recent. Yeah. When you think of the evolution of, of, of human from. Whether it was two people, maybe Adam and Eve, uh, science just put out a new viral post for the kids uh, about <laughs> how there there may have humanity may have stemmed from two people. I I suppose that's bullshit, um, but you know, recorded music, very late twentieth or early twentieth century. Yeah, that's it. In the whole recording of human yeah. history, twentieth century, we started recording music, and in in the last decade, people learned how to get it from the the satellite and and not pay for it as much, and it's amazing how people might look at the fact that writing a song could make you fucking rich. Yeah, that's a that's a new concept that we're only starting to look at in a weird way. And just because it's been around our entire lives, we think it's as if this great thing that was endowed to us upon the conception of our fucking species that we deserve to hold on to. Like yeah. nothing changes ever. And I, I don't think it's not bad what's happening to people, but in that's even more recent that I even heard that someone could be not famous or signed to be on a label and still making a living. And granted, it takes a lot of fucking hard work. It's a lot of, you, you need to have a team behind you. You need to have like, the other things that are changing are people's ability to afford music. Cause yeah. you and I are the beginning of like the millennials. Yeah. And th like things are so messed up nowadays who can afford to buy all the things that they it's want true. Like, when they're paying off debt? It, it's, it's all That's about new. now, 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 now. Like they all, they, it's all about immediacy. 
with, yeah. with the the newer generation. And I get it. Like it's I'm the same way. Like I have my phone with me at all times. Like I need yeah. to know what's like I need to know what's going on. I check my messages all the time. Like it's just it's how the world is right now. So I definitely get it. Yeah. And I don't know, man. I don't think it's gonna change. I think it's gonna stay the same. I th- I don't see any improvements coming anytime soon. Yeah. Um but again, it's not something that I think about every day because I it's not part of my life that much anymore. Again, we we met each other at at such a different time. It wasn't there was still music on the internet, but like we've witnessed a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, but like we used to buy CDs back then. Like I have an argument with my wife because I want to like I have a whack of CDs in my in my office that I want to bring with us to our new place we're moving into in, in in the summer. Yeah, but it's bit it's we both agree that it's not a good idea because there's CDs and what like. I'm the only one that's, I'm the only one I know that has CDs still, but yeah. I have like hundreds of CDs from over the years right. that I want to bring with me because it's memorabilia. But I'm like, she has, but she made a good point. Like it's not, you don't need it. Right. <laughs> like it's, I can get a booklet and put them in a booklet. I don't need to have the CD cases. I'm not going to buy any more CDs. What's the point of having a rack? Like it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Like I have all, every album that I own and on CD, I have on my phone right now. It's crazy. Like, but what if the sky went dark? Then I would, not listening then i just play it on my guitar (laughs) (laughs) we'd just be here in the dark with uh light and fires and uh playing guitars i like it okay so (laughs) thanks for taking the time no worries man i'm happy to be here we had to try a few times on the internet but that i mean we're talking about musicians right yeah it's it's tough when i work full i worked full time and and a lot of gigs and just it never worked out yeah but now i'm here so and it, it's great to see you, and you're, I'm glad that uh, you're deciding to uh, give me a performance. I consider Manipal on his worst day to sound better than Todd oh Donald God. on his best day. Oh, God. Um, but, um, the pressure's on now. Well, I'm excited to hear. Out of all the songs that you know, yeah. what's the song that you didn't write that more than anything for the longest time in your life that you wish you wrote because you love it so I'm much? I'm yours, Jason Mraz. Yeah. I played that song before he even released it as a single. Like I heard him play it on AOL session, like, when Mr. A to Z came out, I don't remember what year, but it was like probably 10, 12 years ago. He played that as just like a random performance that he did. Yeah. And I started covering it that night at a show. Nice. And I've been playing a song for at least 10 years. And I love, that's the one of the best songs I think ever been, that's ever been written. It has like, it holds a record on iTunes of the most plays ever. Like it's this one song that I wish I had written. Cause mm-hmm. like, it's just, a, it's a perfect song. Front to back. It's a perfect, perfect melody, perfect chorus. Makes people feel happy. It's, the best song I think that's ever been written. Bitchin', dude. Well, you say bitchin'? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> that's great. Uh, this is a song called Little Steps. My guitar's out of tune, but we're gonna do it. It's fine. Baby, let's go and hide out when no one would ever find out. Let's leave it all behind now Start something good You took this love and made it It's better that I should save it Cause baby we're misbehaving Like we should Could be anything at all. This 
is the last song I ever wrote. It's a song called Soldier. My voice will crack. <clears throat> Baby, just say it. Tell me what I should be. A head on your pillow. Air to your lungs when you can't breathe. Got those eyes like, like the storm coming. You won't, can't fight. Cause you're out of control and it's taking you over So baby come closer and I'll be a soldier I'll take on your wars, I'll break down the doors to you I'll be a soldier, we'll make it through hell We'll burn it down, make it new I'll be there holding you up, nothing can touch you and I Down on the front lines, you don't wonder why I'll be a soldier I fight so you know I'll always come home to you. Yeah, soldier, a soldier, a soldier, a soldier, a soldier, soldier. Baby, just say it, say it. 
I'll make a shield out of my chest Run into the darkness Fight all the monsters in your head Yeah, got those eyes like Like the storm coming You won't, can't fight Feel alone cause you're Out of control and it's Taking you over so Baby come closer and I'll be a soldier I'll take on your wars I'll break down the doors to you I'll be your soldier We'll make it through hell Burn it down, make it new I'll be there holding you up Nothing can touch you and I Down on the front lines You don't wonder why I'll be your soldier I'll fight till you know I'll always come over you Soldier is a now Amanda Paul song, but it's written by Sam Ellis. I've been playing it for a few years now. I love this song very much. Uh, he let me he let me have it, so I'm going to play this one. It'll disappear. My version of a brown guy playing country. And again, voice cracks will happen. Count the time that we spent thinking Whatever happened in life worth living If you hadn't noticed We haven't gone too far But tonight Pack your bags, baby Can't really tell you What's to come tonight You know that we're living Leaving it all behind Baby We're going undercover But tonight's the night We're gonna disappear Disappear Call the police, get the best inspectors Set loose the dogs, put up pictures and papers Gas up the car, we'll drive till the break of day But tonight 
just you and me, baby. Can't really tell you what's to come tonight. You know that we're living, leaving all behind. Hey, maybe we're going Tonight's the night We're gonna disappear d -d -d disappear We'll cut our hair and change our names, yeah I'll be John, you'll be Jane Don't worry, baby No one's on our heels Cause we'll leave nothing, nothing, nothing behind Hey Disappear listening to another episode of the Todd Donald Show, starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald. The piano music in the rap is by J.P. Sunga, who you can find at jpsunga.com. The theme music is Mackie Alkino by William Chernoff. Find him at chernoff.band. And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging, he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock, in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at Todd Donald Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends. Thank you.